Welcome to The Life Podcast. We're so glad you're joining us for another hope-filled message. We pray that you're encouraged by this powerful word from our Sunday service. We were about to start a new series, and in a sense, this is still the introduction to the new series, but my introduction became a full-blown message, and so I do not apologise for that. I want to go with what I feel God has placed on my heart, but I do believe it sets up the next series really, really well. But for those of you who uh, don't follow me on Instagram or those who are new to this church or don't know anything about me or my wife, Kath, you would have missed out the fact that we have been celebrating the last few weeks our 30th wedding anniversary. 30 years ago, we got married on the 8th of February at 3 o'clock, which turned out to be 3.15 because my wife was 15 minutes late in Adelaide at Living Faith Fellowship. It was 35 degrees. Never forget that. And it was one of the greatest decisions of my life. And uh, I'm so grateful that I got to marry the wife of my youth, the love of my life. And uh, I'm so glad that for the last 30 years, we've been able to live together and spend that time together. And I believe moments like that should be celebrated. So we decided to go up to Queensland because we couldn't go to Bali. We love Bali. We can't go to Bali. And someone told us that Palm Cove is very similar to Bali. So if you're looking for a Bali alternative, maybe you get to Palm Cove in Queensland. Uh, I'm not getting any any payback for that, but uh, just just... Just saying, it's just a beautiful part of the world. And so we went up there for a week and had an amazing time celebrating our 30th anniversary. And we did what many people would do, and that is take photos to capture the moment. And I consider myself a little bit of a photographer. I don't just take snaps, I take photos. I I do, I consider myself a photographer. In actual fact, and I, I want you to know, I don't believe in reincarnation. But if I did, if I did, I would want to come back as me. I don't want to come back as an ant. I want to come back as me. I've got so many lives I want to live. There's so many things I could do. God's gifted me with so many ideas and thoughts. And I I would come back as me and I'd be Tony the photographer or or, or Tony the cafe owner or Tony the hairdresser. How about that? There we go. Just... I don't know, there's so many things I feel like I could do. And, and, and so I do fancy myself as a little bit of a photographer. Maybe it's, maybe it's the artist in me, I, I don't know. And so I'm not the guy that will just take snaps. I'm the guy who's like, can't stand there? And, 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 and I, have to, I have to have the setting just right. Everything has to be just right. I go, come on. So I said, don't start smiling yet. We'll, we'll count your smile in. So it's a fresh smile. Because if you start smiling when I start to take a photo, you're going to lose your smile over time because it's going to take time. It takes time when I take a photograph uh, because I'm aware of everything that needs to take place. And, and so there's this one particular night we were down the beach and I thought, you know what, I bought my, I, I bought my trusty tripod. And uh, it, was, it was a windy night. It was actually the very night of our anniversary, the 8th of February. And uh, unfortunately, it was a little bit windy, but that's fine. But I was aware of the wind factor. <laughs> and, and so I made sure that the, the tripod was really solid. I made sure I tightened everything so that the wind wouldn't knock it over or blow it down. I made sure the composition was just right. I was looking at Kath, 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 can you just look at me? Can you go to the left, 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 back, 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 down, down, down. Talk about killing the vibe, but anyway. And and, and then I proceeded to take a few steps back and, and join Kath in the photo. And then we count in our smile. Okay, three, two, one, smile. And I'm just clicking away, clicking away, clicking away, clicking away. And then uh, I went to proceed to look at all the photographs. And to my 
astonishment and, and gut-wrenching shame, while the composition was right, and while the tripod didn't blow over, and while I factored all those things in that I'd become aware of, the problem is the camera on the phone became unfocused. And so I'm looking at all the photos. One, disappointed because Kath and I are blurry. And two, I'm thinking, I've got to tell Kath we've got to do this again. <laughs> and that's not a pretty sight. That's almost as bad as crossing Jordan. We sing that song, when I cross the Jordan. I thought, you don't want to cross Jordan. I was just thinking about that. It's funny how you think of certain things when you're worshipping. Cross Jordan. <laughs> and you don't want to cross Kath. So I was just like... But in, in that moment of me producing blurry, unfocused photographs, I felt I had a God drop. I felt God speak to me in that moment. And I think it paints an incredible picture of the church and how people and Christians are viewing circumstances and situations today. I believe that as a society, we've become very aware of things. We've become aware of so many things in the world today. And we're far more aware of things today than previous generations, namely because of technology and things like the internet. I mean, let's be honest, everyone thinks they're a doctor these days because we Google stuff. And we've got an opinion about, oh, you got a brain tumor, I know what to do there. No, no, you don't. But we think we do. In actual fact, they say that knowledge is doubling every 13 weeks. And they say the way things are going, it's going to be doubling every 12 hours. I mean, it, it is, we are learning at a rapid, rapid rate. And I'm not against knowledge. And I'm not against awareness. In actual fact, I say more awareness I wish some people had an ounce of awareness. Some people don't have any awareness. And as far as self-awareness, that's like a superpower. I wish more people had self-awareness. So I'm all for awareness. But awareness without focus creates problems. Awareness without focus creates problems. As I've already said, there's nothing wrong with awareness. I'm all for it. But without the right focus, it creates problems. We need the right focus. Otherwise, we get distracted by lesser truths. Does that make sense this morning? And so the message I want to share with you today is something I've entitled, The Force of Focus. The Force of Focus. And I want to look at the life of Joseph. Joseph's one of my Old Testament heroes. Joseph's life is not a parable. It's about a man who lived an incredible life. And I want to pick up the story, but before I do that, I want to give you a little bit of background. Some of you who have been in church for a number of years would be well versed with Joseph's story. But I realise there's people watching online and people in this room that may be not so well versed. But Joseph was that young man that had a dream. And in his dream, God spoke to him about his future. And being a young man, he was excited and so he told his brothers and he told his mother and his father about the dream, which wouldn't be a problem except the dream went something like this, that, hey, you guys are going to bow down and worship me. 
Now, when you're a young kid and you've got siblings, that's always, not always going to be received well. Now, if Joseph had wisdom, he wouldn't have shared that dream with those that were closest to him. But he was young and he was excited and God spoke. And I don't know too many young, excited people when God speaks that they keep it to themselves. And so Joseph is in good company. And so he shares this story. The brothers get jealous. Even mum and dad don't fully understand the dream. And Joseph goes on a journey. Because of the jealousy of the brothers, they ultimately put him in a pit. They sell him. This is not nice. They just wanted him out of their world. And long story short, God intervenes behind the scenes. Joseph's family think that Joseph's dead. The brothers are doing the ultimate cover-up and years pass. And in those years, you would think based on the dream, God would work His supernatural miracle power and just deliver Joseph from that trouble. But it didn't always look like that. Joseph landed himself in jail. But wherever Joseph was, God was. And after spending a number of years in jail, God was doing things behind the scenes. And He was sharing a cell and a prison with a couple of people that had a dream. Joseph interprets their dream and what he interpreted came to pass. And then eventually, Pharaoh has a dream. And the dream that Pharaoh has disturbs him so much that he asks all of his magicians and, and uh, all those people who have wisdom and knowledge beyond the normal person to come and interpret the dream. They can't do it. And then it gets out that Pharaoh finds out that there's this man, this, this Jewish boy, this man who's actually able to interpret dreams. He gets called to Pharaoh's chambers and miracle of miracles, Joseph interprets a dream. He gets a promotion. He gets taken out of prison and gets put in second charge of Egypt. It's an amazing promotion. God is doing exactly what He said. What we need to understand about this whole story is 22 years have gone by. Not 22 minutes. Not 22 days. God may have given you a prophecy and it may not have come to pass yet. It doesn't mean that God's lying. It just means it's not the time yet. And during that time, a famine breaks out across the land. Joseph uses extreme wisdom, builds barns to hold the grain, and pretty soon, people from all over the world come to Egypt for their grain. The famine hits Israel, which is exactly where Joseph's family were living. Now Joseph's family have to go to Egypt to plead for and buy grain in order to survive. And it's there that Joseph's reunited with his brothers. Joseph has a little bit of fun with his brothers. You can read about it in Genesis. But eventually he lets them know that, hey, I am Joseph. He gets the whole family to come from Egypt and Israel enjoys, enjoys the spoils in Egypt. And there they live a good life together. And then eventually Joseph's father passes away. And in that moment, the brothers panic. And that's where we're going to pick up the story. I've left lots out. 
This is a great story. I want to encourage you to go away and read the story of Joseph and you can find it in the end of the book of Genesis. But where we pick the story up is in Genesis chapter 50 and verse 15. And it says this, When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said this, What if Joseph holds a grudge against us and pays us back for all the wrongs he did to them? So they sent word to Joseph saying this, Your father left these instructions before he died. This is what you are to say to Joseph. I ask you to forgive your brothers the sins and the wrongs they committed in treating you so badly. Now please forgive the sins of the servant of your father, your God. When their message came to them, Joseph wept. His brothers then came and threw themselves down before him. He says, we are your slaves, they said. But Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So then don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. And he reassured them and he spoke kindly to them. Joseph stayed in Egypt along with his father's family. He lived 110 years of age and saw the third generation of Ephraim's children. He lived as long as Betty has been alive. <laughs> I love this story. There's so much in this. But there's three simple points I want to make today to help us. Because I believe, just like my photograph, I was aware of a lot of things, but it was out of focus. And as a result of it being out of focus, the picture was blurry. And I think we have people today that are aware of so many things, but we're not focused on what matters most. And so ultimately the picture we're painting is out of focus and blurry. But we've got all this knowledge. And again, I'm not against knowledge. But can I say this, that focus trumps awareness. As good as awareness is, awareness is trumped by focus. Why? Because awareness, number one, awareness without focus becomes idealistic, not empathetic. I'll say that again. Awareness without focus becomes idealistic and not empathetic. What I know about people today is everyone has an opinion. Everyone has an opinion about what should be done. How many people have found themselves looking at the television and telling the Prime Minister what he should be doing? And we become very idealistic because we've got knowledge, we've Googled certain things, we've been watching this thing called COVID for two years now and we're not happy with the way things are going. And if, we, if I was in charge and if I was the leader... Now again, I know I'm talking to the right people. Maybe you've been coming to church for a while and some things have been happening and you don't quite like it, you don't fully understand it, but you've got knowledge because you've been going to church for so long, you know what should be done and now you've got opinions about what should be done. Why are there vaccinated people allowed in the meeting? Why aren't they allowed in the meeting? And all this stuff, why are we wearing masks? Why don't we wear masks? Why are we listening to the government? Why aren't we listening to the government? And we get very idealistic because of the knowledge we have. Now I'm going to keep saying it, knowledge is not bad, awareness is not bad, but without focus, it distorts the picture. And we become less and less empathetic. 
My question to you is this. Have you ever had a bad day leading your family? Have you ever had a bad day in the classroom if you're a teacher? Can you imagine if you had a bad day leading your family, which could consist of three people, four people, five people? Imagine trying to lead 25 million. I don't mind opinions. But when we become so idealistic and we lack empathy, there's a problem. What I love about the story of Joseph, he he had a story to tell. I'm sure he had a few opinions about his brothers. I'm sure he had a few opinions about his family. I'm sure he had a few opinions about why did God take so long? But what we see when Joseph's father passed away and his brothers panic and say, your dad said, look after us. He didn't say, that's not right. The Bible records he wept. Have your opinions about me. Have your opinions about leadership. Have your opinions about the Prime Minister. But my question is, when's the last time you've wept? When's the last time you've prayed for? The Bible says, pray for those who lead our nation. Pray for the kings. I just wonder, for all the opinions we have about our Prime Minister, how many of us are actually coupling that with prayer? I would say, if we're going to have any opinion about anyone in charge, we should be praying at least twice as much. See, awareness is great. And it depends where you go on Google as to what information you get. And we've got people who are, who are, who are so aware of, of what this vaccination looks like. And they said, did you know, did you know? And then you can go on the website and find other information contradicting that information. But, but I think we're missing the point if we're just going to have arguments about information. Meanwhile, we're not even doctors. And we as a church have to operate differently. I know the church isn't perfect. I know your connect with you go to is not perfect. But I know within these walls and within those homes, you have people who are trying their best. And if we lose empathy, we lose everything. And so let's not allow the information we have, the awareness we gain, to be at the expense of the empathy we need. Awareness is great, but awareness without focus leads to being idealistic and not empathetic. And the last thing we need is more idealistic people. Where the religious people went wrong in Jesus' day is that they were so idealistic about what should happen. They were so idealistic, they actually tried to trap Jesus. But Jesus was filled with empathy and was able to meet the needs of people. Secondly, awareness without focus gets consumed with facts and not faith. See, everyone has an opinion about what's going on. We see that in this COVID crazy world. Based upon the facts, we have an opinion about what COVID is and and something that's just a conspiracy theory. There's no one in their right mind that can truly say that it's a conspiracy theory because we're not in the right rooms. The information we have is limited at best. Remember, most of us are struggling just to lead our families. 
our classrooms, our connect groups, let alone a nation, let alone a worldwide pandemic. It, it never ceases to amaze me to think we have the answer to the whole world's problem, but we can't even sort our own little issues. Let's not be consumed with facts over faith. Now, I don't believe we should be ignorant, but let's not be consumed. What I love about the life of Joseph is that he wasn't ignorant. He looked his brothers in the eye, and you can read this again in Genesis chapter 20, or 50, sorry, verse 20. And he looks at his brothers and he says, You intended to harm me. I know what you were doing. That wasn't an accident. I just happened to fall in the pit. I know you threw me in. I know you wished me dead. It'd be one thing to forgive someone when you're ignorant and you didn't even know it happened, but he knew. He knew all the pain. But it wasn't where his focus was. Kath and I have been married 30 years. We had Valentine's Day, which was our 38th Valentine's Day together. On March 17, we celebrate 38 years together as a couple. I believe in longevity. But you can't be together that long without being hurt by one another. People that say the church hurt me are right. If Kath ever came to you and said, Tony has hurt me, she would be telling the truth. I stand up here and say, Kath has hurt me. My kids have hurt me. All those that are closest to me have hurt me. And I can give you fact upon fact. And when she and she did this and he did that. And the longer you are together, the more opportunity you have to get more facts on each other. Next Sunday to the day represents the 28th year that we've been leading this church. You can't lead a church 28 years without hurting people and being hurt by people. If someone's got a gripe that life Adelaide has hurt them, I would be the first one to say, I agree. It's hurt me. And I could give you my facts and you could give your facts. But if we are filled with facts, it can be an expense of faith. And what makes Joseph's life so powerful is that he was aware of the facts. But he wasn't led by the facts. He was led by faith. He says, you intended to harm me, but God. But God. But God. Pastor Paul is fighting for his life. And we've seen this year, but God. We have to have a but God because that's where the faith is. It's not but facts. It's got to be a but God moment. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good. God sent me ahead of you so that many lives could be saved. Let's not allow what we learn. Let's not allow what we know. Let's not allow what we become aware of to rob us of faith in God. Awareness without focus is great, but we have to be careful. We need focus. Are you with me? And thirdly, awareness without focus makes us bitter, not better. We see that Joseph's life finished well. It finished strong. He lived to be 110 years of age. He saw the third generation of children. 
You know, sadly, many can't say that. Sadly, that's not the case for many people. Many people's lives end in separation, divorce, pain, hurt. And the lasting legacy that Joseph left isn't the lasting legacy that we see often today. Unfortunately, too many end up cynical and skeptical. Cynical of leadership. Cynical of church. Cynical of authority. Cynical of marriage. It's one thing to say, I don't want to put a vaccine in my body. That's one thing. But it's another thing just to be anti-authority. And there is a connection and a correlation I see with certain individuals. It's no longer about the vaccine. It's just an opportunity to do what I've always wanted to do, and that is be anti-authority. And it's the trait we see. And the longer you go, the worse it tends to get. And sadly, it's one thing to see a grumpy old man. Remember the film Grumpy Old Men? But what the trend I'm seeing now is I'm seeing it younger and younger and younger. When I was a teenager, we, didn't, we were too busy living life to be depressed. Too busy for the most part. I know there were some exceptions, but generally, we were just enjoying life. We weren't cynical. We weren't skeptical. We weren't depressed. We were just loving life. I know way too many people who are way too young to be cynical, depressed, and skeptical about life. And so how is it that we become cynical? And I, and I want to say this to encourage you and to educate you. Because we become cynical, I believe, because we care. We care. We care about people. I, I know when I look at Tommy King and I see the video today, he's young, he's bright-eyed, he's bushy-tailed, and he wants to get involved, he wants to help people. And, and that's good. I think most of us start there. Particularly when we get saved at an early age, we want to help and we get on the rosters and we serve and, and we go to both services and we do this and we go to connect groups and we're, we're at everything. Why? Because one, we've got time. But beyond that, we just care. And we pour ourselves out into people and, and we're there for setup, we're there for pack up, we're, we're there for everything. And we give and we give and we give and we give. And, and over time, we start to realizing, I seem to be giving more than I'm getting. And then we start questioning, hang on, I'm pouring myself out and I'm getting very little in return. And in the meantime, I've been bitten quite a few times as well. And once bitten, twice shy. I think I've told most of us here the story when Kath and I and the family were in America and she got bitten by a dog. It was a horrible moment in her life one I tried my best to get her to avoid. We were staying at a friend's house and they moved out for us, but their dog was still there. And they said, Look, just ignore the dog. He's been looked after by the neighbour. Just enjoy the house. And this dog, it was a husky dog, got itself caught up. And we were packing up. It was the last day. We'd been there a week. We were packing up, putting the cars, uh, bags in the car. And I said to Kath, I said, look, the dog's whimpering because it's caught himself up. I said, but he doesn't know who we are. He's a husky, leave the dog alone. It may seem cruel, but in you trying to help him, and I wanted the kids to listen to, he'll probably turn on you. And sure enough, Kath, out of the goodness of heart, I said, Kath's not an animal person by nature, but she's incredibly empathetic. 
and got an incredible pastor's heart. And when she sees someone hurting, she's moved. She's, got a, she's incredibly uh, motherly by nature. And she heard me. It wasn't like she didn't hear. She heard, but she thought, no, I just want to help. And in wanting to help this dog, the dog turned on her and took a chunk out of her backside. And it was just, it was just messy. Got bitten. That picture represents most of us in this room. If you've been in church five years or more, you've got a story to tell. You've been bitten. 28 years next year, I've got a few bites. I'm, I'm just grateful I've got some flesh on me still. But we care. I know your pain started because you cared. When you come to church every week, you cared. Now you're online because it's, you know, Keep, keep my distance. Now again, welcome to those watching online. But if you can get in the room, I would say be in the room. And, and because we care, we open our lives up and that's when we get bitten. How do we become cynical? Because we care. Secondly, because we gain knowledge through the experience. And knowledge is a double-edged sword. We need knowledge to grow, but the more knowledge we get, the more pain we experience. Your problem and my problem is this, we know too much. We've experienced too much heartache. And so we're at the beginning of the year, we're gonna go into Vision Sunday and some of you are trying to avoid certain people because you know you're gonna be asked, hey, it's the beginning of a new year, love you to join the team. And I know if there's some here in their 40s and 50s and a bit older, you're saying, I I did use ministry, almost killed me. And then I thought, okay, I'll, I'll, to avoid youth ministry, I'll, I'll do connect group for a little while. Or I'll, I'll, I'll try and talk to my friends. But you get bitten, you get bitten, you get bitten. And now the knowledge you have is just, it's not worth it. Why would I go to university and stand up? To my friends? It's just not worth it. Because I tried that once. I tried opening my home up, inviting people in, share the Word of God. And that, people who said they come didn't even come. I had all this food wasted. We've got too much knowledge. If we're not careful, we can change how we view people. We can change how we view marriage. Do you know why people don't want to get married today? Because they've seen what happens. The pain my mum and dad, I don't want that. And it changes the way they view marriage. It even changes the way people view animals. My wife cannot look at a husky now without just freezing. I'll never forget, not too long after that dog attack that we had in America, 2016, that year, everything happened 2016 for us. I just had my heart surgery. We took a little dog for a walk. And out of nowhere, I mean, out of nowhere, this husky, like stealth, came and took Tobias in its mouth. I've just had heart surgery. I've got to try and separate a dog fight. Have you ever tried to separate a dog fighting? It's horrible. Let alone when you've had heart surgery. And I just go into bat for our little dog. I mean, he's in his mouth. And I'm just grab the dog. And I'm now some of you. <laughs> I don't know what to say here. Because some of you are going to be so impressed. I stood up for our dog. And others are going to say, you shouldn't be kicking dogs. I, I don't know where to go here. 
I'm not sure. I, I don't know if it's someone going to applaud me or, or arrest me. I'm not sure. But I did what I did. I did what I did to get the dog out of the mouth of that husky. And I managed to get the dog out, little Tobias, who's a little Maltese Shih Tzu. He's like this, you know. And I'm protecting him. I'm actually putting the side where I've just had surgery towards the dog and I'm just, I'm just making noise. I didn't know what to do. I, there wasn't a manual. What do you do with a dog? I just, I just went into, I don't know. Just, I, I'm gonna make as much noise as I can. And I'm just like, ah, 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 just like this. And I went onto the middle of the road because the car was coming and I put my foot out to the car to get it to stop. So open the door to throw our dog in the car. I don't know if that's textbook, but it's what I did. And God was gracious because the dog seemed to calm down and just tick off and it was all over. And then I look over to my wife. She never moved. She just froze. Why? Because she got bit once. She froze. Why? Because she got bit. And some of you have put your life on hold in freeze mode because you got bit once. And some of you, in fairness, you've been bit many times. But it has distorted the way you see church. Leadership. Pastors. Spiritual covering. We are fighting a pandemic right now. And I'm not talking about the virus. We're talking about a pandemic of cynicism. A pandemic of scepticism. A pandemic is I'm not going to trust anymore. I'm not going to do it anymore. I've had enough. And yet God has a way. And we have to keep coming back to His ways. His ways. In Ecclesiastes chapter 1 verse 18, it says, Much learning earns much trouble. And the more you know, know the more you're hurt. And so sometimes ignorance really is bliss. And so I think God can use young people because they just haven't been around long enough to be hurt long enough. But can I speak to the people of my generation? We need you. And we don't need you hiding behind a screen. We don't need you cynical. We don't need you bitter. We don't need you sceptical. We need to show the young generation what resilience looks like. What trusting God long-term looks like. What being bitten and getting back up again looks like. What being hurt and forgiving looks like. That's what we need. We need Josephs that can look their brothers in the eyes and say, I know, I know, it's okay. It's okay, because God, but God, God is working together. You see, when we live cynical, we lose hope for the future. And we have this voice in our head that says, it's useless, what's the point? It's a waste of time. They're only gonna let me down again. I know for me, when I'm being cynical, it affects my view of the future. And so now at the beginning of this year, it's a good time to address 
this year. Because if you find yourself at this point, there's only four options you have. There's four options. You wanna know what they are? Number one is you can quit. And many people are doing that. You can just quit. You can just stop going to church and quit. You can give up on your marriage and quit. A lot of people are doing that. That's one option. The other option is you fail. You just sabotage. You do something stupid just to get yourself out of that situation. You can stay. That's the third option. And staying is better than the first two. But it's not the best option. Do you know what the best option is? For you to thrive. See, no one wants you to stay and just be miserable for the rest of your life. You're not doing us a favour turning up to church. You're not doing your wife a favour just being in the marriage. We want to thrive. God has designed you to thrive. Jesus came that we might have life with a capital L. Life to the full. An abundant life, a joyful life, a hope-filled life. Life to the max. That's what He wants. And what God wants to do in your life is far too important for you to be ruled by a wounded, critical, stingy, small, hurt spirit. Romans 15 verse 13 says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him so that you may overflow with hope and the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm not here to point a finger. It's there, but for the grace of God. But I know whatever it is that you're feeling, I've been there. I know Pastor Danny's been there. We, we have negative, horrible thoughts, but it's what you do with them. Those thoughts in and of themselves are not the problem. It's what we do with them. And we have an opportunity every week, every day to realign ourselves and get focused again. You know those photos I took that came out all blurry? I didn't throw the phone away. I didn't say stupid technology. You know what I did? I just did it again. Just set it up again. Told Kath to hold a smile. Got the composition right and we just did it again. And guess what? We got some great photos. Some of you have seen now on the social media. Some are just a family. And some, just me and Kath. Got to come back. No condemnation. Just got to keep coming back. Coming back. Coming back. Coming back. You had a tough day. Maybe you said this year, I'm done. That's fine. Just come back. Maybe you walked out on your wife, left your kids. <laughs> come back. Don't live in that moment. Just come back. I'm never going to read the Bible again. That's fine. We've all said that. Just, just come back. I won't forgive. Just come back. I've had to forgive my wife twice as much as she's had to forgive me. <laughs> Kidding. The reality is, whatever the number is, we don't know. We've actually lost count. But there's a lot more of that in the future. We haven't arrived. We're on a journey. 
You're going to have to forgive. If you stay in this church, you have to forgive me a lot more yet. And I'm going to have to forgive you a lot more yet. And in order to do that, we're just going to keep focusing. I'm aware of the facts, but we're going to focus on God. I'm aware of the facts, but we're going to focus on God. Thanks for listening to this podcast. We trust that you're encouraged by this powerful message. You always have a place to call home here at Life, and we invite you to join us for our Sunday services at our Adelaide campus. If you'd like to know more about Life, then visit our website at lifeadelaide.org or download the Life Adelaide app and stay connected.